Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, so we'll start off with some prayer. Father, we come before you right now, and uh, we just thank you for this time we get together. We just thank you that we are children of God. We thank you that we, uh, we are your hands and feet on this earth, and we just pray that this message comes through as a, a message of, of love and relation to you rather than uh, condemnation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so last week we learned about what makes us children of God. We'll kind of do a review over that. Um, in John 1, 12, and 13, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So when we received Jesus Christ, we became the children. Um, we we'd also learned in John 3 that Jesus gives us the eternal life and makes us eternal children. It's his sacrifice that brought us in. In Romans 9, it's not the children of the flesh, but the children of the promise of salvation through Jesus Christ. And it's by faith that we are sons and daughters of God, according to Galatians 3. We learn that we have to make peace with our enemies, um, no matter what they are, what they may be. Uh, if they're against the Word of God, if they're for the Word of God, we need to make peace with people. Um, I did mention Democrats, alphabet people, communists, and in-laws. Um, a little bit on, I was listening to a podcast this week and uh, about the alphabet people. There is a statistic in there that 83% of the people that are in that community come from a church background. They grew up in church. And they did not leave the church because of theological reasons. They left because of relational reasons. So if those people come in to our church, if those people come in and looking for help, they're just as bad as the one that we were before we came to Christ. So we need to show them the love and show them the relationship. We don't affirm what they believe, but we, we can still stand to our Christian beliefs and love them into the family. And they can, they can repent just like all of us did. Uh, we also learn that if we're being disciplined by God, then we're children of God. Um, we learned about not scoffing at the rebuke of the Father. We also went over that uh, without faith we cannot please God, and we must have faith as a foundation of everything that we seek from our Father. Faith is what saved us and is what God rewards. Uh, we went over that we have the same spirit that conceived Jesus. The Holy Spirit conceived Jesus through uh, his birth, 
and we in our new birth have the same spirit within us. We learn that we uh, should be keeping the laws of the Lord on our hearts and speaking about them in our house, in our workplace, everywhere we go, according to Deuteronomy. Um, in Proverbs 20.11, we'll make ourselves known by our acts. If we are children of God, we need to keep pure acts. We also learn that we must obey and honor the Father just as well as our earthly parents, according to Colossians 3.20 and Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. And then in John 3.36, we must obey the Lord. If we are not obeying, we are not living up to the life he has planned for us. And uh, we got to where we left off on Jonah 2. Kind of had to squeeze it in at the end there, but um, we're not going to read the whole chapter, but there's a little bit I want to speak about with that. Is... When Jonah was in the great fish, he was praying prayers of the Proverbs. He was praying Psalms in there. He was praying the Word. And with that, like, he didn't have those in his back pocket. He didn't have a Bible to carry around. He put those in his heart. So we need to be putting Scripture in our heart for those times when we need it, that we can, it just comes up out of us. Because if we're putting it in, it's going to just come out. So that'll wrap up the review part of things. And we'll hop into uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, and 8. So I'm going to give you guys a disclaimer, a couple of them. First one, this is going to get tough. Because as children in relating to the Father, we have responsibilities, and that's the way we relate to him. Um, or that's a way we relate to him. This is where the Holy Spirit was leading me in this study, and this is where it's going to get tough. And in that, I felt last week that I was relying a little bit too much on these notes and not enough on the Holy Spirit. And there were things that were said that weren't in my notes, but I'm going to rely a little bit more on the Holy Spirit and not try and get too caught up in trying to get this outline done. So we'll start in 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, and 8. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who gives, us his, gives his Holy Spirit to you. God has called us into holiness and has empowered us to achieve that through the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. This scripture tells us if we disregard holiness, we disregard God. I can't speak for you, but I don't want to do anything that disregards God. 2 Corinthians 6. Starting in verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, 
as God said, I will make my dwelling among them, and I will walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. Don't touch anything un- and touch no unclean thing. Then I, will be, then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves, ourselves from every defilement of the body and the spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So unless leading someone to the Lord, we should not be making a habit of joining together with unbelievers. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Bad company ruins good morals. Though we can't be separate from the ungodly physically, we can separate from them spiritually. We should be joining together with those in the family, the body of Christ. As children, nothing should be more important than our Father. Anything we put before God is an idol. It doesn't matter if that's your wife, your kids, your job, your favorite sports team, your hobby, or anything else. Anything we put before God is an idol. God has come and made his dwelling within us. In return, we should not defile that temple. In the Old Testament, the temple was cleansed, and anyone who entered had to be cleansed. It should be the same with the temple we possess now. Cleanse any defilement or sin from your body and spirit. This is our responsibility since we have already obtained the promise. James chapter 1. Verses 26 and 27. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but he, he, he uh, sorry, <laughs> scrambled up. If, he, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We must watch what comes out of our mouths. Keep a hold of the wheel, which is your mind, that controls the rudder, which is your tongue. So, let me ask you in here, who can control their tongue in here? What man in here can control their tongue, man or woman? Anyone? That's against scripture. Only the Spirit of God can control your tongue. It can 
You alone cannot control your tongue. It has to be the Spirit of God working within you to control your, your mind, your emotions, and, and the things that come out of your mouth. And that was something that dropped on me this week. It was, it was so good. I was listening to just the New Testament, and I was, whoa, revelation, you know. <laughs> so so uh, when uh, Doug Jones was here, he talked about cussing and, and everything like that, and the Christian church watching their tongues, and that there's, there's no place for it in Christianity. Um, and I can tell you, for me, I used to be worse than a sailor. And I was, I could just, every other word could be a cuss word, and I can make it sound good. But uh, with that, I mean, I can go through a lot of pain. I can stub my toe, and I don't have to say a cuss word anymore. And that's just because the Spirit of God working within me. I uh, pinched my hand a few weeks ago at work and got 10 stitches. And uh, the guy I was working with told the guy that took over my route when I was on light duty. He goes, yeah, it was so weird. He just shook his hand, and he didn't even cuss once. He didn't curse at all. Like, it, was, it was weird. He's like, I would have been cussing up a storm. <laughs> but that's not account for me. That's account of how I hold myself in front of people, how the Spirit of God has changed me. So uh, I heard a joke about a boy that was going to church and found out that the pastor did carpentry as a hobby. The boy asked if he could watch the pastor build. The pastor agreed, and the boy started hanging around the shop. After a few days, the pastor noticed that the boy didn't show much interest in learning so he asked him, why did you want to come watch me build? The little boy looked up and said, I just wanted to see what kinds of words a pastor uses when he hits his finger with a hammer. So, <laughs> so uh, we should be affecting the world and not letting the world affect us. Do not become stained by the world. There is so much dirt and filth flying around out there. We cannot avoid getting it on us. We, have, we can, however, avoid letting it soak in and stain us. So for those of you who don't know, uh, I work with garbage all week long. And it's, sometimes it's all right, sometimes it's pretty nasty and it's everywhere, especially when it rains. So uh, in that, sometimes we're dumping cans and the packer that packs all the garbage is going and compacting it, and it shoots out the back. And if you're back there, you better duck or get out of the way quick. But it, what it can do, it, it can get on me, but I don't let it sit there. I, I clean it off. So if, the, if we're going out in the world, in the world's filth, and the world's filth and, and everything that they have to offer is getting on us, we need to just clean that off. If we get dirty, we take a shower. If we get dirty from the world, we need to spiritually take a shower. So. In Luke 6.43. So how many of you in here want revival? 
want revival to happen here in America and worldwide. So the Spirit of God is not going to come rest on a place with filth in it. He's, he's not going to come into a, a body of believers. He'll change people, but in, in order for him to come and feel welcomed and feel comfortable, we need to honor him and honor what he said. So without, without the, the purity of Scripture and the purity of living the, the Christ-like life, then we're not going to make it. I was just talking to a friend over the weekend, and he said that uh, God doesn't expect perfection from us, but he expects obedience. So if we're obeying what he's saying, we're not going to have to be perfect. We're going to mess up still. There's a good chance of it. But we can, uh, we can still be obeying what he says and honoring him and letting him know that this is the place where he's welcome, where he can, he can work through us. That wasn't in my notes. Uh, Luke 6.43, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes from bramble bush. The, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil of his of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of a, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that just goes right along with what we were just saying. You can't, you can't let your mind start going and mind start going and then words come out. You've got to control the wheel up here. Grab hold of it because you're in control. It's not your thoughts. It's not Satan controlling you. It's the Spirit of God who should be controlling you. Well, really, you should be controlling what the Spirit of God is telling you. And control that rudder. Control where it goes. Control what comes out of your mouth. In Matthew 7. Starting in verse 16. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from th thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. The dise diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but, every, but the one who does, not, does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. In a... Uh, I promoted this book last week, Driven by Eternity, by John Bevere. Um, it challenges your theology, challenge your, challenges your day-to-day -day life and your decisions you make. I don't know that I agree with everything in this book, but it does open your eyes to things, especially reading a scripture like that. 
So read it with discernment. Listen to what the Lord's telling you. So we should be recognized by others by our fruits or what we are producing. Our walk and talk should reflect the goodness of our Father. If we are allowing sin or disease to be in us, then we are restricting the amount of quality of what God wants us to produce. So it's like growing a plant. Uh, right away, God isn't going to chop us down and start, start fresh. He's going to take pieces off. He's going to prune us so that we don't go into shock, that we don't get overwhelmed with, with all the change we have, because there's a lot of change we have to do in coming into a worldly life, into a Christ life. There's a lot of change. So he's going to take things away. Praise God if he takes it all away at once. But that's not what happened with me. You know? But we'll have to be pruned over time and, uh, and have a healthy growth and be able to produce good fruit and not have any disease in us. As children, it is our responsibility to do the will of God. As children... It is our responsibility to do the will of God. Doing the will of God is not just doing mighty works in the name of Jesus. Yes, we should be doing all those things. We should be casting out demons. We should be prophesying. We should be doing mighty works in Jesus' name. But our confidence should not be in them. The thing we need to have confidence in is Jesus Christ and him alone. We should keep our faith genuine. If we never saw a miracle, if we never heard a prophetic word, and if we never saw someone delivered from demons, we should still have faith. When we are children, we need to grow. God expects us to grow up. We cannot make disciples if we stay babies. The Lord expects us to continue to mature as we walk with him. If we are going to be children of God, we must do what he asks of us, and he asks us to be his hands and feet here on earth. He asks us to co-labor with him since we are co-heirs of his kingdom. What kingdom does not have workers in it? A fallen one. He is the king, and we are the servants and stewards. He is faithful, so we should do the same for him. All things come through him, so we must do things that glorify his name and his nature. If we are children, we are in Christ. Being in Christ comes with many benefits. And if you go to BFBI this year, first year you get this really cool book. It's an in him study guide written by Pastor Tim Davidson. And it goes over the in him book we have. And it has all the different um, benefits of being in Christ. And I don't think we have... Mm, let me see what I got left. Yeah, I don't know if we have time to go over all of these, but I'll just read off some of them. 
Uh, and according to Hebrews 8.6, we have a mediator and better promises. Hebrews 9.24, a mediator. We have salvation, sanctification. These are all just different verses. Um, comfort, we have a helper. We are changed from Christ. We have power over the devil. Uh, these are benefits. Chosen, royal priest, we are holy, we are called, spiritual life, we have freedom from anxiety, forgiveness, we have an advocate, we are children of God, we have love, we have the Holy Spirit, which gives us the ability to overcome, we have propitiation of sins, fellowship with God, eternal life, redemption, the testimony of Jesus, we're redeemed, we're a blessing of Abraham, or we have the blessing of Abraham. We're a son of God or daughter. We're one in Christ. We're heirs through God. We have faith. We're a new creation. We have every spiritual blessing. That, that, that's, that's a whole list right there we can preach on, you know. Right. We're holy and blameless. Um, we're united. We have an inheritance. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit, made alive, seated in heavenly places. We have kindness. We have his workmanship. We're brought near. We're a holy temple. We're a dwelling place for God. We have boldness. We have light. We are strong. We are filled with the fruit of righteousness. We are made his. We have the peace of God. We have strength, riches, and glory. Redemption created. Rooted and built up. We're filled we're circumcised, we're raised with him, we have substance, we have growth, we're dead to the spirits of the world, we're hidden from the evil one, we are made alive, we have a resurrection, we have thanks in all circumstances, we have grace, we have faith and love, we have life with him and we reign with him. There's so many in here, wow. I didn't read. <laughs> oh, man. Full knowledge of everything good. We have the purifications of sins. We have intercession, eternal redemption, eternal inheritance, a sacrifice of praise. Um, we have an internal, eternal covenant. We have joy. We have a holy priesthood, eternal glory, love of God, life, true light, anointing. We have confidence. We have hope, we have fellowship, and we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We have healing, we have rest, we have confidence, and we have authority in prayer. We have abundant life. We are heirs of the promise of God. We have transformation. We are justified by eternal life, power over death, power over temptation, hope, a better covenant, We have an advocate. That, that, if you want to know all of them, sign up for BFBI. You can still get the discount if you pay in full. <laughs> okay. So Luke 6.
verse 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Or with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So that's great in verse 38, right? We give, and then it's pressed down, it's shaken together, it's running over, and, and we, get, we get more back, right? But with verse 38, you can't have that unless you have verse 37 first, because they go together. You can't judge, you can't condemn, and you must forgive. In one of our favorite verses, Mark 11. eleven twenty-two. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes, that what he says will come to pass. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. So, you can't have the mountain-moving faith if you don't have forgiveness. You might have that faith, but it's not going to operate the way it should. Unforgiveness will hinder you from receiving from God. You cannot, or you can pray about how you believe and you have received it. You can confess it. You can confess that you have received it, and God in heaven is saying, I believe that you need to forgive them. So Colossians 3, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, the Lord has forgiven you, or as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Then we're going to bounce over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And that just is right along with all the verses we just went over. 
it's, it's in here multiple times about forgiveness. So I think it's pretty important to the Holy Spirit. I think it's important to God that we forgive just like we've been forgiven. In Matthew chapter 18. Verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, How often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with servants. When he began to settle, one was brought out to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and the payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees and imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. So the talents are, it's, it's a lot more money than a denarii. Denarii was, am I correct on a day's wages? Two denarii? Something around there? So he owed the master a lot more money than he did the servant owing him. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and he went and put him into prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master what had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me and you should not, and yeah, and you should not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had have as I had mercy on you and in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all the all his debt so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart man that's tough How are we going to receive what we haven't, haven't given out? Isn't that what that other verse said about we give and it's pressed down, shaken together, running over? Well, if we're withholding forgiveness, is our forgiveness being withheld? It's not going to be pressed down, shaken together, and running over? I know we're not saved by our works, but there's things in, in faith that we have to work out after we're saved. In this passage, we see that if we are not forgiving others, we cannot have our debts forgiven. I know this is hard for a multitude of reasons. If you are struggling with this, just take a look at the Ten Commandments. You can even include the 613 laws of Moses. Look at the great amount of forgiveness God has given you and compare it to the wrong Compare it to the wrong 
done to you by another person under the curse of the fall. It is worth, oh, sorry, is it worth holding on to that unforgiveness in your heart that every time you broke a commandment of God, it be counted against you? Now that we are children, we must do something. We must make disciples. In order to make disciples, we must be discipled first. We must discipline ourselves. We must discipline ourselves in the word and in our works, in our faith and in our prayer. Pastor Herb was talking about the ditches. And we've, we've heard it before. Is there's two miles of ditch for every mile of road. The way to stay out of the ditch is to keep discipline in the Word of God. We cannot expect the Spirit of God to use us in revival and have influence in the world if we are not being disciplined. I spoke about that a little earlier. And we, if we're not being disciplined ourselves, then how are we going to be used by God? If He needs something to get to His people, He's going to get it there whether it's a clean vessel or an unclean vessel. But I'd, I'd prefer to be that clean vessel to where he doesn't have to correct things in me as much to be used. So John eight thirty one and 32. I know this... Uh, started out as how we relate to the Father. And uh, going through this, I was like, well, why is this coming into this? Why are we kind of changing, changing the way, way the study was going? And Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, because discipleship is how we relate to the Father. We can't relate to the Father without living holy as he calls us to be holy. So eight... Verse 21. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will not, and you will die in your sin. Where am I going? You cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself, since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below, and I am from above. You are of this world, and I am not of this world. I told you that unless you would die, in, I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. So, as disciples, we must abide in His Word. Sorry, I read the wrong scripture there. I did. I started in. Sorry, verse 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. As disciples, we must abide in his word. In John 13. Verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, 
You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We must love one another. This proves that we are disciples. It is possible to do this because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Um, Proverbs 12. Gotta go. I never understood how you run out of time up here until I got up here. Proverbs 12.1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Don't be stupid. <laughs> be disciplined in the word, which gives the, gives the knowledge. Disciples are disciplined. 1 Corinthians Chapter 9, verse 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that all in a that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So do not run aimlessly. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Without discipline, we do not receive a prize. We must discipline ourselves for the sake of the gospel. The gospel will never fail, but we can fail if we are not disciplining ourselves. And we were just reading in that uh, Never Quit book that we're going over in men's study, that it's not the eve of the battle that is the most important. It's the day after. If you're not disciplining yourself the day before, the day after, and all the days to come, then you're going to be ready. The enemy is going to be ready to pounce. You take ground from him, he's not going to just let it go. Revelation 3. Verse 19. 
Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant to sit with him on my I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, and as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. And I don't know about you guys, but man, my, I'm not looking for rewards here. I wouldn't care if any of you liked me. If I was doing what God told me to do, that's what would matter. If that's, that's what I aim for. I am for being seated with Christ. What, what the world can offer me, they've already offered me as much as they can. And it was never enough. Everything that Christ and God has offered me has always been more than enough. Titus 1. Verse 7, for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy in gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also rebuke those who contradict it. And this is talking about like overseers in the church. But guess what? We are all overseers. We are also stewards of God's word. We should strive to be everything on this list. The last one mentioned is discipline. But I believe if we start at disciplining ourselves, the rest of the list will become easy to manage. Go to Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him. He turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost? Whether, it has, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it be, begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down and first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So there is a cost for discipleship. 
You should look at what it at what it is going to cost you to be a disciple. A true disciple holds nothing above following the Lord. A true disciple holds nothing above following the Lord. If you plan to build a house, you count the cost. If you plan a trip, you count the cost. If you're buying a car or even fueling up, you count the cost. It should be the same way with following Christ. You may lose friends, you may lose family, you may lose your freedom. If you are not willing to give up everything, are you truly a disciple? This is a tough question, and one I even have to ask myself. Am I truly giving everything I have to make the gospel be heard? Am I willing to give up my comfort, my blessings here on earth that God has given me? One thing we need to consider is that whatever we give up will be nothing in comparison on what you will gain eternally. And I, man, I, I sit there and I, I, I went over that scripture and I, it worked me. Because how much time do I sit watching YouTube videos? How much time do I sit taking a nap? How much time do I waste? Because there's time for rest. There's time for entertainment. But there's not a lot of time for the gospel. And if you ask me, myself, I'm not dedicating enough time. I take the gospel everywhere I go, but there's still time that I can make for spreading that gospel out. And I don't know how each and every one of you are, but I challenge you, make time. Get out there, talk to people. I'm, I don't have time to finish, but if you want to hear the conclusion of the message, Matthew 10, 16 through 42, Ephesians 4, 17 through 21, and Acts 20, 32 through 35. And that, that was going to conclude the message because that wraps everything up, all those scriptures. So, Lord, we thank you for this message. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for giving us a purpose to, to do your will here on earth, to be your hands and feet, Lord. We, uh, we gladly accept your discipline. We pray that it, it works in our lives, Lord, and that we get more people saved before the end comes. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.